Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm Tony. Um, in case you didn't know my name, my name is Tony again. And I just want to welcome you all to our very first live recording ever of our podcast. <laughs> ever. So. <clears throat> okay, I, I, I'm going to really try to not mess this up and do it three times like I usually do in the studio. So <laughs> yeah. bear with me. Well, that's the, that's the beauty behind, behind the scenes is giving like, sometimes you mess up. And girl, nobody's perfect over here. So exactly. hit it. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to season seven of Surface Level, curious conversations about the black and queer experience. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan, and today, Damon, Tony, and I are recording live from Moby Talks in New York City, discussing our community's fixation with black excellence. How does the concept of black excellence hurt the black community? How can we challenge traditional notions of success? This is Black Excellence is a Scam. <laughs> now the ghetto. The ghetto. The ghetto. I mean, can wow. you believe it? This is season seven. Yes. There are a few friends And here that's with my us. favorite number. It's Tony's favorite number. <laughs> it's a live show. We've been talking about doing a live show for... Since, since we did. Season one. Since right. we started. <laughs> but the checks wasn't right yet. So <laughs> we finally got to a point where we could actually do this production the way that we wanted to. Yeah. And so this is a huge milestone for us. Moby is an incredibly important partner to us, mobilizing our brother's initiative. We've been working with them for... Um, say like the past year, year and a half so far, and it's been amazing. So tonight is really all about community. Um, that's what our show is all about. So yeah, we're ready to get into some, some things Always for season seven. I love getting, <laughs> getting into some things. Now, you know what it gives over here, so. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Actually. Very well. Yeah. So what's the tea? Oh, it's me. <laughs> um, so this season we're doing a bit of a conceptual season. Uh, typically we have 10 topics throughout the season. Uh, this time we're breaking them up into three different segments, uh, themed earth, wind, and fire, each representing our different personalities. So the first three episodes are our earth series, um, speaking about grounding things, and they will be led by Jordan. Um, our second set of three episodes uh, will be the wind series about freedom and about things that maybe get a little bit out of control, which will be led by Tony. Uh, and then our final set will be fire, uh, things that can be a bit of a hot button, things that can get a little wild, and that will be led by myself. Yes. Uh, so as we start off, we're very, very excited to do the first episode of our ground series. I mean, excuse me, our earth series with you all here today. Okay. And if you are familiar with our show, we always start off with a game. Mm -hmm. And you all are going to be able to participate in that. We are going to play a game called The Mediocre Debate. Oh. <laughs> okay. And so what I'm going to do is offer a series of opposing views. These are real views that we've talked about on the podcast in previous seasons, previous episodes. And you all are going to vote on which opinion was more mediocre. Okay. And then afterwards... <laughs> The author, the, the, the speaker of that mediocre opinion will share how they grew from that perspective or how they haven't. All right, which opinion is more mediocre? Season one, episode one, entitled The Politics of Quarantine, we discussed the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests. Opinion one, 
We respect the incremental contributions and changes individuals are comfortable making to better protect black lives. Opinion two, everyone needs to step far out of their comfort zone and make tangible sacrifices to better protect black lives. Which one was more mediocre? No surprise. <laughs> <laughs> This is our first ever surface level fight. It, oh my god! This was our first <laughs> Those girls episode, were fighting. and it was an actual fight. You know, so it's funny because we recorded this episode like the weekend after all the protests started for the George Floyd. So, like, like just to give you context about the temperature of the country and the conversations that were happening, this is when that happened. Right. So, they got you, girl. Yeah. So I mean, we, <laughs> so just to give you, uh, just to reveal, opinion one was me. <laughs> and opinion two was Demond. And um, I still feel the same way. Um, I think that people can advocate and um, make a difference for community outside of protest. That was mm -hmm. what we were kind of talking about. There's obviously boycotting, there's like social media that you can look into, there's donating, there's volunteer work. And I stand by that. I don't think that going out and, t and protesting in the streets is the only way to do that. And I also will allow people to have a bit of grace to feel comfortable going into those situations can it, because it can be pretty overwhelming if yeah. you're not used to that sort of environment. So. No, absolutely. I think, for, first of all, I'm always in the middle of the fights. And so when the girls <laughs> are fighting, I'm sitting there. It's like a ping pong situation going back and forth. And You're at the, the in the moment, I'm the net. Oh, well, that's not, oh, okay. <laughs> I can get to that. But no, I think that at the time, because of where we were in the world, mm -hmm. you know, Damon is very passionate and is giving like, girl, you need to... Burn I, it down. Burn it down. And Jordan was like, I'm not quite there yet. And I was like, well, there's space for both. <laughs> I still think there's space for both. And I'm, you still stand firm on your opinion, and so does Damon, I'm sure. So no one's, no one's evolved. And I ain't changing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next scenario. All right. So this is season three, episode three, entitled Before He Cheats. And we discuss the role that monogamy and infidelity plays in our relationships. And so, opinion one, monogamy is not a realistic goal to place on relationships. I'm open to existing in a relationship where there are no parameters or rules. Oh, wow. Opinion two, <laughs> monogamy is realistic. It's a personal preference and the goal for me when it comes to relationships. I feel like I know where this is going. Whew. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> Some of the girls are lying. Some of the girls are oh. lying. I'm going to just call it out. Are we really neck and neck? Oh. Uh, uh. Okay. Wow. Y'all oh. need to keep voting. <laughs> Don't close the polls. Don't close Count the polls. Count every legal vote. Count every legal vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, what was, what was interesting about this episode is that I think Jordan started on one, it, I think started and is on one side of the spectrum, and you'll reveal who was who, but, I, but let's, let's do that first. Okay. Oh, wow. Let's see who, let's reveal it's, who was who. It's 50-50. Look, let's just go with 50-50. <laughs> All right. Everybody, we are continuing on the conversation. Can everyone please keep your voices down? Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
All right. Um, so the reveal, opinion one was Damon, <laughs> and opinion two was me. So I'll let Damon talk about how he has changed <laughs> since I then. I haven't changed. I think that... I didn't think so. No, I, I just think that people can create relationships that work for them. I think that it's not about what's prescribed through heteronormative like goals and, I, and that for me is not something as a queer person that I'm ever aspiring to. Mm. Uh, and that to me is what so much of that, the idea of monogamy and the, the a very traditional relationship is based on. Um, and yeah, that's really straightforward. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything else to add to that. Jordan, Jordan has your opinion evolved? It has. So oh. I just want to address what Damon said really quick. I don't think that monogamy is this heteronormative thing. I think that all people on this earth can lean towards monogamy or polyamory or asexuality. We, we come in all different colors and sizes and shapes and spectrums and all of that. So I, I just think that be whoever you want to be. But my answer has changed. Um, as of? As of... Today. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's been like it's on the changed. way over here. It's on the way over here. You saw somebody in the hallway and was just like, no, no. I, I could get yeah. with him, and I, I can get with this, and I can get with that. <laughs> somebody did offer me poppers before I got to the stage. You know who you are. I'm not gonna say your name. Congratulations. I was like, oh, okay. Well, not, not yet. Maybe, to, maybe later tonight. Um, but no, I, I have changed a little bit. Um, for me. Monogamy isn't so much like the end all be all. Like I think that for me, I'm open to exploring what non-monogamous formats look like. I think that if it's a spectrum of monogamy and polygamy, I definitely think that I'm still closer to this monogamous monogamous side. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm open to it. But I think that you know it needs to be open communication, we need to have clear rules, and um, there needs to be very clear consensus at the beginning. Um, I don't want any surprises. So, so this is a very new revelation. It's um, not that new term. It, was, yeah, it, it happened in the hall. It actually oh, is. Wait a minute. <laughs> Do I have to give you the rules? What was you going to jump across the table on Tony? Listen, well, it, no, no, no. I made it the actually, rules. It, I it actually rules. is a new revelation because that's not been your opinion up until... As, this is the first time I'm hearing you say that. Tony, why so would you lie like that? I'm not lying. And I don't care who tell it, but I, this ain't the one. <laughs> Devon, but, stick up for me. Jordan's no, telling the listen, truth. This time. Listen, not the net. How, listen, how, how listen, I get in it? On the episode... He's telling the truth. On the episode. <laughs> as of when? You don't we, listen we, to me. We revisited this topic. As a, as a See, last we, season. We got a guest. Yeah. Any people, a listener. <laughs> don't matter. <laughs> so what I was going to say is that on that episode, though, in real time, like, Damon's always been the more open person. And Jordan and I have, were always, like, monogamy. But I think that through having these conversations, and thank God, we have evolved in those opinions. And so. <laughs> well, we said start off in monogamy and then maybe explore things We did afterwards. say that. So now you, re now you remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. Next. We, we need a gavel. All right. We need a gavel. Be like Kaya. Let's go to the next one. So um, season five, episode two, entitled Mask for Mask, we discuss femphobia and our community's relationship with masculinity. Opinion one. For a long time, I rejected the idea that someone more feminine than me could top me. Opinion two. As I'm getting older, I'm finding less thrill in the trade. Match my energy, and my energy sounds more like Doja Cat. Wow. Get you a feminine top. A blouse. like this. A blouse. <laughs> I love a blouse. Blouses okay. are nice. What a so, okay, I mean, it's a, it's a, 
All right. It's, it's, a, start it's, difference. A, it's a decisive win here. This is a decisive group for this one. Okay, so as the reveal, opinion one was Tony. Oh. Opinion two was me. And so, Tony, would you like to elaborate or give us some context on where you stand today? Well, yeah, for context, it says for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Past tense. For a long time, I did reject the idea that someone more feminine could top me, but then I've evolved in that opinion, and I think the girls are missing out. <laughs> get you a feminine top. Get you a blouse. As a friend of ours to the show said, go and run over to Rainbow. Get you a blouse. And yeah. Ooh, I rainbow blouse. Rainbow. I don't want a rainbow I don't want blouse. a rainbow blouse either. That's a cheap oh, okay. blouse. <laughs> <laughs> so I've changed. I've changed. I've evolved. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. All right, in our final scenario of the game, on season six, episode three, entitled You Ain't Black, we had Kaylin Allen on our show to discuss the impact of respectability politics. Yes. Opinion one, I can dress formally to avoid distractions from my ideas at work without altering my character. Mm-hmm. Opinion two, just because I'm not in a suit doesn't mean I'm less capable than someone who is. It keeps going down. <laughs> okay. Opinion one was me, and opinion two was Tony. And um, I still feel the same way. I mean, we when we did this uh, conversation, that specific clip, um, a lot of people had comments, and I was kind of like <laughs> reading through them. I'm like, damn, people really hate what I said. Um, and... <laughs> I think for me, um, I've always just been okay with the concept of dressing for the occasion. Um, I grew up in a uniform school. Um, my introduction into the world of business, I was required to wear a suit in college. Um, and for me, I just assumed that business meetings, boardrooms meant suits in the same way that church meant suits, in the same way that you know you wear a certain outfit for a certain thing. And so for me, um, I don't necessarily associate dressing up in a suit for work with, you know, this idea that you're being oppressed or that you're selling out. Although I do understand that some people link wearing a suit with their self-worth and their own self-dignity, I actually like suits and I think they're cute. (laughs) I'm I'm very surprised you didn't have a suit on today. I'm surprised too. Well, because I, did you the, love a suit? Because you told us that we had to wear leather, and I don't have you, a leather suit. I, you didn't have a leather vest until I told you we had to wear leather, so I thought you were going to find a leather suit. Well, leather suit is a little bit more expensive. <laughs> no, but listen, I, I'm said always, I can't afford sleeves. I've <laughs> always been of the opinion of like, how much of myself do I have to lose to fit in mm-hmm. for some, uh, like, how, how, how often do I have to tap dance to do the thing to make somebody else feel good about my just existence? And so I'm not willing to do that. Um, and like we talked about earlier on in my career, sure, I didn't. I was still learning, didn't know who I was, wasn't firm in my ideas, and then later on I was just like, yeah, that's not for me, and I can still reach the same level of success as the girl across from me wearing the suit, as I, it would, just by wearing a t-shirt or whatever it is that I want to put on that is my expression. So I still stand in that opinion, even though the girls in this room seem to not get it. all right cool so that was our game and now we're going to actually get into this conversation about black excellence and there's been 
a lot of conversation um, about black excellence, black mediocrity, mm -hmm. um, and that whole concept. And so before we get into the conversation, um, if we go to the next slide, I would love for everyone to just write down what words come to mind when you hear black excellence. And um, while you're doing that, why don't we discuss? Um, let's start with you, Damon. The words that came to mind initially for me were like wealth being the mm -hmm. first, because mm -hmm. um, that's the thing that comes up often. HBCUs, like that mm. to me, like being a how all three of us being Howard grads, like that's something that was very um, top of mind for me. And like this concept of like making your ancestors proud, and that's not a word, I guess it's a phrase. Uh, but those were the things that w when I initially think of when we think about the social media hashtags, when we talk about the conversations that happened around our kitchen tables, like so much of it is based in those concepts for me. Tony? Uh, so for me, I wrote down elite. I wrote down the gold standard, top tier, possibility model. And then for some reason with black excellence, I think about theater in Hollywood and like, <laughs> you know, the glitz and the glam. That's fair. Jordan. I think a lot of I think a lot of black excellence is attributed to people with um, public platforms. So I actually had like a similar thing, which was accomplishments, historic, meaning like making history. Um, having influence and having power. So um, I think that, oh, okay, we're like pretty spot on with mm -hmm. the room. Success looking like the most popular word associated elitism. with black excellence and wealth and elitism and perfectionism, freedom. What are some of the smaller ones? The whitewashed, white patriarchy. Unachievable. The upper echelon. Cute. Didn't we <laughs> name an episode that? We did have an episode <laughs> called the upper echelon. The Out, Rock Nation Outdated. That one's interesting. <laughs> all right. So I'm just going to give you all just the, the dictionary.com. Black excellence. So that refers to a high level of achievement, success, or ability demonstrated by an individual black person or by black people in general. And so the first question that I want to pose to uh, Damon and Tony is, how do you think the concept of black excellence impacts black people both positively and negatively? Tony, let's start with you. Okay, well, you know, I like to bring a little bit of uh, you got some it, research to the table. To Tony's okay. <laughs> let's, let's start with this because I found this dope ass article called Our Obsession with Black, Pe with black Excellence is Harming Black People on Forbes.com. It says that black exceptionalism encourages black people to sacrifice their health, mental well, mental well-being, and welfare for the sake of greatness. Black excellence is an unreachable peak. Nothing is ever good enough. It's, it's insatiable. There is always one more mountain to climb, and it's not sustainable. And what happens to the people, to the black people in society, that society does, that does not deem or recognize as excellence. Like what happens to those folks? So it goes on to say that there needs to be a shift in what we glorify and that black excellence is not just the first to accomplish the unimaginable or those who achieve accolades and awards, but black excellence is simply existing in a world that so desperately wants to destroy you. Get into it. Get into it. And so oh, there's applause. That's new. Well, <laughs> we're officially on The View, which is one of my favorite shows ever. You are Barbara. Um, but no, on the positive side, I think that there does a possibility model is a positive thing. I stand firm on that. You know, and having representation is important because seeing is believing. And so affirming blackness and speaking highly of ourselves to ourselves 
is necessary. However, it has to be more than just a hashtag. You know, a hashtag is fleeting. And I think that we, we also can't normalize that black people who are doing great things and who are, who are do, they're rare, you know, they're the, they're the exception. It's like, no, bitch, actually, we're the rule. And on the negative side, black people who are deemed excellence have a, a bar to reach that I think sometimes is just too high. It's, it's not too high, it's actually one that can't be reached. Going back to the article, it's saying there's one more mountain to climb, it never, you know, not good enough. Mm -hmm. And I think about black people who are deemed, that are deemed excellent being scrutinized for being excellent. And so I'm gonna give an example that might be polarizing, but Beyonce not winning album of the year, but being the most decorated Grammy Award artist in history is an example of being punished for being excellent. Well, you know that was one of the feedback, like one of the uh, voters actually went on the record. Yes. I think it was in a Variety article that yeah. said that they didn't like how every time Beyonce released music, it was this thing where you had to stop and look at it and it mm -hmm. felt obnoxious. Um, and I don't know if you use the word obnoxious, but that's the gist. And that was yeah. the reason why he didn't right. vote for her. Because it was given like, you have too much and... Yeah. You're good. And I'm not no, no. saying that she's beyond reproach. She can't be scrutinized, but it's nasty work when you scrutinize her to spite her talent. Right, but that's not... <laughs> talk about the music. Don't right. tell me you didn't vote because you thought that she was serving too much. Right. Like, Period. come on. That's tell, too much. Tell me you thought Alien Superstar was terrible. Then I know you're lying, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys... You know, it's funny, stay out of my head, because what I wrote down for positive was possibility model. Mm. Because I do think that often in our communities, we don't know how far we can go, what we can do. Like, I just think about my own life, and, like, I've been places, seen things that, like, my parents or just, like, people in my life have, they've, they've never seen. Like, been places that, like, my, my father passed a few years ago, and it's just, like, we have, had never been out of the country or seen all types of things in the world. Um, and I think that as we see more of what can be, it makes you more curious. Mm -hmm. about yeah. all the things you can learn and all the things you can experience and all the people you can meet and all the, 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 the things that exist in the world. Um, negatively, conversely, I'm, it's one, often too tied to capitalism. Mm -hmm. It's too tied to how much money you have, how many things you can own, how far you can climb the corporate ladder, um, and worshiping the people that exist in those spaces. And, 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 and that's not... Um, a spite, like we work in corporate America and part of our lives has been climbing that ladder. Um, and that has been something that has been important to parts of our career. Mm -hmm. um, additionally, I think it's too often first, uh, focused in like singularity. It's about the mm. first yeah. or the yeah, best yeah. or the only. It's about or, you. Right, and, and it's just like, it, and it's always like this, this, who's doing a new thing? But it's just like, there are so many things that we can do so differently and we're all individuals. So like we talk about Beyonce, it's just, there are so many other black women that sing or perform mm -hmm. or that do so many things that we can highlight. And, and like there's so much time of there's this thing where they can only be one. Right. Yeah. Um, and if it's, you're not the one, then you're not excellent. Um, Listen, and it's that, exhausting. Yeah. Not being the one, maybe what's wrong with being the two? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> white, white men and women are <laughs> mediocre every day. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> yeah. Jordan. I mean, so the, the positive for me, so growing up, um, I felt a bit different just because um, I was gay, obviously. Um, but I just felt like because I wasn't athletic, because I wasn't doing the boys, boys things, 
um, I felt like I didn't really have a space to be recognized as much. And so for me, um, I learned at a very early age to lean on accomplishments and excelling in schoolwork and, and excelling with like getting jobs and like trying to like build my own self-worth to prove to other people that I too can be celebrated. And I think that from a very young age, the concept of black excellence like sort of motivated me to create something for myself. Um, and I think that it was mostly helpful um, through my like young adult life, but I think that a negative is that I learned you know, a little bit later in my career that um, black excellence, when taken too far, can become <laughs> a scam. <laughs> yeah, like you know, you it's like a it's like a fucking like domino effect, right? You wherever your place of work is, you do a good job, right? And then people know you for doing a great job, and so they put you on extra projects, or they ask you to do this, or they mm -hmm. ask you to do that, and then they expect you to bring that excellent part of yourself to that too. And before mm -hmm. you know it, it's like I'm burnt out and I'm not even getting paid more for these things. And it's yeah. just because I'm doing all of this extra work to signal to people that I'm good enough. Right. And I think that the negative thing can be like actually truly believing that what you produce and, and what value you're able to produce for other people is somehow indicative of your value as a human being. And mm -hmm. so I think that it can be negative if you aren't able to sort of create strong boundaries between, you know, how you're able to sort of like create an impact for others and how you're willing to actually show up for yourself yeah. in private. Because also being in corporate America, being in white spaces, you're so often the one and you feel like you're walking into yeah. that space and now I have to represent every black person Goodness. in America so that hopefully when you are hiring, there's not some bias that I've created that you look at every resume that comes across your desk with a name that you maybe don't, don't um, understand how to pronounce and say, mm, maybe not her, she's not a good culture fit. Mm -mm. And like mm -hmm. that's the level of pressure we create sometimes to like, I have to strive so that when I leave X organization and demand from Hampton shows up, that they're not looked down upon, that they can be viewed as like, oh, that person may have a unique perspective that we don't have here and we should continue to invest in it. And that becomes exhausting. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't, I'm tired. I, I, don't I, I stopped subscribing or prescribing or whatever to that notion and just allowing myself to exist and be. And when you move in a, in a space that's just unbothered, it's so freeing. It's giving very much of like nothing can... You can't have that power me. over me, right? Exactly. You can't shake me. And it so. can, but it can be, it can be very challenging, right, to sort of surrender that concept coming up into your career because oftentimes what I witness is that black people who do really, really lean into black excellence, sometimes they gatekeep. If younger yeah. talent behind them comes forward and they're not Nasty sort work. of they're not doing the black excellence that they're doing. And mm -hmm. so it's just like, they're not ready. And they right. can't be the other black person near me because I don't approve of their level of effort mm -hmm. and things like that. And, and that so happens across every industry. Sometimes you could be in a situation, right, where you're just kind of like, well, damn, do I have to go as hard as right. this person who doesn't sleep, who gives up all their weekends and stuff like that so that they can actually advocate for me when I'm not there? Mm -hmm. um, I see that happening too. And luckily I'm at a point in my career right now where I can be a bit more selective with the opportunities that I take. But for somebody who's starting off and is just trying to get their first 
step into the get like into the whatever industry you're trying to get into it could be really really difficult mm-hmm. with with these black excellence brunch <laughs> gatekeepers <laughs> <laughs> so i think we're going to go to the next slide and we're going to engage the audience again uh with an easy poll so is the concept of black excellence inherently anti-black yikes what do the people have to say Ooh. oh I misread. I miss. I misread it. Never mind. I said, "Oh, this is a spicy room." It's jumping. Okay. Give us a couple more seconds. So it seems like we have a okay. Two thirds rule say no. Um, so Jordan, what are you thinking? Um, I don't think it's anti-black. Um, I think that in order for me to believe that yeah. black excellence is anti-black, I would have to believe that black people are inherently not excellent or mediocre. Um, so I don't think that it's anti-black, just the concept of celebrating black people who are um, doing things or creating things that are impacting people at a large scale. Because that's my definition is like people who are like, or the, the definition I think a lot of people think about black excellence is like these people who are doing big things that are impacting a lot of people. And so, no, I don't think that it's anti-black. Um, but like I said before, I think that um, it can be. Mm-hmm. It can be. If you're one of those gatekeepers that feels like I can't be, I can't work with another black person unless they're a specific type of black person mm-hmm. that I approve of in these predominantly white spaces, then... Yes, that is anti-black, and that's not black excellence, uh, for the record. So, um, yeah, I think that black excellence can still be a positive thing, um, but we got to get to the root. Yeah, like, I I don't think that the intention is uh, to be anti-black. I think it's a positive intention, but I think what we do a lot of times as people and people of color, we, we take a concept and we run it into the ground. <laughs> and that is when it gives like, you hear black excellence every day and it's like, well, like now, I, what is black, like what does this mean and why is everybody chanting it? It just, it becomes insatiationalized and that to me is when it's just like giving a lot. Um, and one thing that I, I don't hear is like, I don't hear people talk about like white excellence and like, but why would you, how could you, right? You know what I'm saying? And so again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about mediocrity and, and the, the idea and the audacity that white people and our white counterparts come into a space and they, 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 <laughs> they're disruptive in that way, but they just, they have. They don't have they the same. They come in, do their job, and go home. Right. They come in, do and their job, go home, do. and some. And now I come, come in, in, do, do my, my job, job, and go home. It's the best thing. And it's get the paid the thing. same thing, and I don't feel a way about it. And I think that we need to. I think people are running from mediocrity and what that means because you feel like there's a negative connotation with it. But now I, I'm taking, I'm reclaiming that word. And bitch, call me mediocre. I don't give a fuck. Well, the thing is, like, even the concept of like mediocrity is a little bit different for for black people. Because I talk to a lot of black people who I to, who I admire from their talents or their skills and things like that, and they often will say things like, "My C work is better than everyone else's A work." Mm-hmm. And so I think that just the term mediocrity. Like it feels more daunting sometimes when we talk about it as a community. When really, I think the point is like you don't have to overachieve to receive a baseline level of respect. 
mm-hmm. um, yeah. as a human. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I just would close and say maybe yes, but only in its current iteration, because I think in its current iteration, it's so focused in capitalism. It's so focused in being better than everybody that exists in the space mm-hmm. that like that, that to me is something that puts um, pressure on us that we don't need. Like I'm currently, my therapist gave me a book called um, Rest is Resistance. Um, and just about fighting mm-hmm. against this grind culture, fighting against yeah. constantly feeling like if I have to give a thousand percent so that everybody around me giving one percent will still have some level of respect for me. Uh, and that's just not something I'm really willing to sign up for anymore. Um, so continuing. Last season, we did an episode uh, with Kaylin Allen um, called Respectability, excuse me, on respectability politics called You Ain't Black. How do we address the harmful narratives that suggest black excellence is, o- is only possible through assimilation or proximity to whiteness? Tony. Mm. Well, you know, this really struck a chord with me, too, because anytime we talk about these things, it always really grinds our gears is very polarizing and i want to start here because oh, we, we got another. two we, we got, got two, two this is special we, we only have one we card have start normally. here so <laughs> the same article talked that, that i spoke of earlier said that black exceptionalism plays into the idea of respectability politics that if black people act the right way they are deserving of decency and respect and our obsession with black exception exceptionalism does not allow black people to just be. And that's sort of what I was saying and getting at earlier. And I, my thoughts are that to say that black excellence is only possible through assimilation or proximity to whiteness is to say that nothing is worth being or having, um, or nothing that is worth being or having is possible for us without the approval of someone else. And for me, I take it back, like whether you're a black person or a white person, I don't give you permission or approval to sort of define, define, right, define my excellence. And I think that, you know, simply existing as who we are is being rebellious to that narrative. And so for me, like my, what I like to do every day is just walk outside, wake up, give, like just take in who I am and exist in that way. And I think that a lot of times we give that power to other people and I'm tired of doing that. So what do you guys think? I mean, I think um, it's even like the small things that we need to be mindful of. I have a story because I, like a few weeks ago, a friend talked to me about just sort of like their aspirations in life and what they wanted to do. And immediately I was just like, this doesn't feel like a this doesn't feel like a reasonable plan. And I, and I asked that person, I was just like, I think that you should consider investing more in your corporate career. Yeah. And um, it was one of those moments where the friend left and I was like reflecting on, my, like on the conversation in private in silence. And I was just like, did I just tell this person to abandon like their own passion to like get more Focus money back. and right. invest more into a corporate career? And I basically did. And I called this friend and told them and apologized to them. I'm like, look, I'm so sorry. You shared this with me. This is what you wanted to do. I have no place in projecting onto you what my goals are and what I think black excellence is and what I think you need to do to be able to become excellent. Mm -hmm. And um, it was one of those moments where I've, it was the very first time that I've had that conversation with a friend. And I've been that friend for 
all of my friends, I think, that's been like, you need to, you need to interview, you need to like do this. Get your resume together. I can write it for you. That's the interesting thing between between Damon and Jordan. Like whenever (laughs) something comes up, I always go to the both of you, and I always get two different, completely different things (laughs) in which I should do. So Jordan is the one that's like, exactly, it's the work thing. It's focused on that. This is going to build your career X, Y, and Z. And Damon is like, fuck that job, fuck those people. (laughs) Like do what makes you feel good. And then I'm and then I'm somewhere in the middle. And that's now as we're having this conversation, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like that middle of the road person, but. It's great to have people to bounce things off that do have very different opinions yeah. on it so then I can land where I need to land and figure out, like, okay, this is what I need to do for me. Yeah, get, yeah. get your team together. Get, get, get your pe- team together. Get people in your life <laughs> who you know are going to say different things, but you have a level of respect for how they've run their lives. Yeah. Like I, I, me and Jordan disagree on everything. Not everything. Um, <laughs> but I have a level of, of respect for him. I have a level of respect for where he's gotten in his life. And I think that even if we get to different places or different answers, it doesn't mean that one of us was right or wrong. I'm normally right. But <laughs> joking, joking, love you. Um, but I think that's important. Like when you're thinking about your friend circle, and I think that's what the three of us do with each other. So. Yeah, and I, I just think it's like important to, again, if you are somebody who wants to, you know, your dream is to become the first fill in the blank on the moon, do it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you are trying to be white. Like, I'm not doing that. But I think that we need to be careful with the way that we build community with other people and making sure that, you know, we're actually seeing them as human beings and not as these vessels for production, mm-hmm. um, for monetary gain or whatever so yeah yeah i think for me uh there's Mm -hmm. so much about my life that has been anti this proximity to whiteness or to what the 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 rules have shown me and so much of that i think about like my dad Mm. um my dad had a high school education never worked in corporate raised five kids multiple kids adopted and just poured into us and into his community. And I think about when he passed away, a concept that I constantly thought about, I was just like, is this person going to be forgotten because he wasn't excellent enough to be written down in a history book? Is this person going to be forgotten because he passed away before any of us had kids? Um, And that to me is the thing. And he's the person that instilled in me watching all these documentaries about blackness, being proud of who I am, understanding that I can walk into any room and I'm just as fucking good as anyone else there. And that to me is why I rail so firmly against this concept of that we've constructed that because I've gone to Howard, because I've worked in a corporate America, because I've rung this ladder, because I've traveled the world, I somehow am excellent. Mm -hmm. And this person who built everything into me wouldn't be the same person written down to it. Right. And that's what I think the question seeks to when we talk about proximity to whiteness, proximity to the, the rules and to assimilating into a life that may not... Like, I do things that he never dreamt of, but that, does that make my life better? Because it did exist further than the walls of Chicago where most of his <laughs> impact were, was. And well, that's yeah. the thing that I find exceptionally important to think about in this conversation because that's my personal story. But everybody in this room probably has a person in their life who may not have written the, the rules of, like, where they're going to be the Beyonce and be the world's greatest entertainer. They're not going to be the president of Howard University or whatever, mm-hmm. but their impact to us and to our lives is excellent. 
Right, and, and that is why we need to reimagine what the concept of black excellence is mm -hmm. and just waking up, taking care of your, your children or just taking care of your day-to-day -day chores that you have as an adult. Like, just yeah, like all of that is tough by itself. We, how often do we talk about how ghetto life is and how it's giving like, oh, I had no idea that it was all like, it's a lot and I think that we need to give ourselves more grace yeah. and we need to kind of reimagine and, and think about what we deem as excellent and black excellence. Yeah. And so with that, we like to end with a little bit of homework. And I think that this will be a takeaway for everyone listening and also for us. And so we want to talk about how can we celebrate the diversity of black queer experiences and not and recognize that there is not just one right way to achieve excellence. And so we kind of spoke to that a little bit, but Jordan, Damon, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, um, really quickly, because I know that we're running on time. Um, I think that by using this platform um, and sharing the platform with people who aren't necessarily celebrities mm -hmm. or necessarily public figures, I think is incredibly important. I think oftentimes when there's a, a media platform um, especially if you want to grow your platform, there's this pressure that I have to have the biggest names to get on the platform to validate what I'm doing. When really um, talking to people who are just in the community and who can talk about their unique life is also very valuable, which is why I love what Moby Talks is doing mm -hmm. with um, the community conversation that we just had before this one, where it wasn't about bringing in, you know, a, a celebrity, a household name um, in our community that can come and talk to us. It was about us talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really valuable in making sure that we're identifying the excellent moments in everyone's life. And it doesn't have to be the glitz and the glamour. So I think we can do that by sharing our platform. Yeah. And Damon? I also wrote community. I think that so much of this is about not just identifying the sun, but also recognizing that there are so many stars, small, that glitter in the sky. And that collective experience is much more beautiful than just highlighting one brash, bright thing. Yes. And for me, I, I'm going to go back to Child, it's okay to, to wake up and just exist and be, mm -hmm. and give your, yourself permission to be mediocre. Like, it's, I think that that's okay, and we have to think about what that means. Like, for me, I'm gonna wake up, I'm gonna do what I have to do, I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna type on the keyboard, I'm gonna come home, I'm gonna <laughs> lay down, and then call it a day. I don't have to strive for this thing in order to be impressive to anybody in the black community or anybody in any other community. Yeah. And so that's my takeaway. Like, girl, just live your life and give yourself some grace. <laughs> so with that, that's all the time we have this week. <laughs> and if you've enjoyed this conversation, let's keep it going. Let us know your thoughts at surfacelevelpodcast.com. And remember, stay curious. <laughs> yeah.